Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. Now, I've used it a couple of times. Most recently, I used it uh, in Boston when the Bills were in town to play the Patriots. Got in on that Friday night when went and caught the Celtics-Pistons game. Uh, basically, it was a uh, a 15 minute decision, but the tickets were so cheap right near the start of tip off that had to do it. I'll definitely be checking it out when the Bills are down in Houston to take on the Texans for a Rockets game. So uh, now, Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do: download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. Then under the billing section, redeem code the athletic. Once again, that's the athletic, all one word for ten dollars off your first your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first one thousand people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December thirty first, two thousand nineteen. So make moves quick and score last minute tickets. And just like that, the 2019 regular season is over for the Buffalo Bills. They wind up 10-6 and on the season. They lose to the New York Jets in a thrilling 13-6 to uh, showdown. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that at all. And probably it's, it's a pretty good indicator that uh, you're not hearing us until deep into Monday because I don't think many people were clamoring for a, a post-game pod for that one. But uh, here we are nonetheless in getting you ready, not only in terms of talking about some of the injuries that happened, but, uh, but also perhaps how the Bills could uh, start to go into this week as they prepare for the Houston Texans, which is on Saturday afternoon, basically night, but it starts at 4.35 Eastern time and uh, should be good. But the Bills, 10-6 and six on the season, their first double-digit win season since 1999. And uh, now they have a tremendous opportunity to exercise another demon, which is to get their first playoff win since 1995. Welcome, everyone, to the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, my co-host, Matthew Fairburn. Thank you for listening to us. However you do so, whether it's on the podcast or the Athletic Podcast Network or on any one of the free avenues, thank you for uh, sharing your time with us. And Matthew, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, that game yesterday, that's going to stick in my mind for a very, very long time. Yeah, I think it will stick in my mind as one of the worst football games I've ever watched. Uh, And we've, (laughs) we've watched, you know, some... That's the nature of this league with the preseason and with, you know, teams falling out of the playoffs. We've seen some pretty bad games, but I think when you combine the fact that the Bills were not really interested in in playing that game, all they wanted to do was get out healthy. A lot of the starters came out quickly, and the fact that it was an absolute nasty weather day uh, in terms of the rain and everything else, it was just a... A tough football game to watch, one that I think anybody who was watching it on TV or in person, um, you know, and is a Bills fan, was probably just 
waiting for it to end uh, and hoping that guys weren't getting, you know, too many guys wouldn't end up injured because it seemed like um, every other play somebody was going down. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those games where you wonder. It's weird. There's only 16 games in the NFL every year. And you still wonder, man, do they need to play this one? Like, uh, you know, with how violent the game is and how, you know, much these guys put their bodies at risk, the fact that a game means so little um, is it, it made it a little bit tough to watch. Yeah. And I don't know if there's any sort of science to this, but, you know, maybe it's just kind of going in. If they're going into a normal week, is it the same sort of thing or do they let their guard down a little bit because of what the expectations are of the week and the fact that it's mostly meaningless? There's probably some some psychological aspects to it as well. But the other part of the the game that was just that made it borderline unwatchable was the fact that the Jets are as bad as they as they were. I mean, that is a team that should have blown the doors off the Bills because the Bills are playing their second and third teamers. Um, and I understand the Jets have had a host of injuries this season, and they were starting former Bills uh, son of Sean McDermott, Connor McDermott. Um, but that doesn't excuse the fact that they still had their starting quarterback, their starting running back, their top two receivers in Jameson Crowder and Robbie Anderson. They still had a, a great playmaking safety in Jamal Adams in the game. So there, were, the talent advantage was there, and they only mustered 13 points. <laughs> they didn't. The, the most hilarious part about this is when the Bills were going through all their injuries to to the cornerback position, and we'll we'll get into that. Um, at one point, Isaiah McKenzie was out there for three plays, and the Jets didn't throw at him once. They lined up Robbie Anderson on him on a third down attempt, and they didn't throw Robbie Anderson, who is six foot two, six foot three, against Isaiah McKenzie, who's listed at five eight, but probably closer to five six. But what's also hilarious is the fact that the Bills had really no real boundary cornerbacks in the game period I mean Taron Johnson is a nickel cornerback and he was playing on the outside Saran Neal was a safety last year hasn't really done much and and played sparingly when Taron Johnson was down with an injury earlier this year at at nickel. So he's not really an outside cornerback. And then they had a safety in Dean Marlowe down playing nickel corner. So they really didn't have a guy in their normal position all game. And Sam Darnold didn't take advantage of it, which just kind of shows how bad or maybe how running to the bus that that jet squad was, even though they, they got the victory. But but yeah, that that game was was brutal in a lot of ways. But I think it was always of the mind that uh, that the the Bills had in their mind, the fans had in their mind that you know something bigger was ahead, and just trying to get out of the game was was the best part of it in their minds. But they weren't able to do so. You know, they lost both Levi Wallace and Ty Inseki to injuries. We'll get an update later today from Sean McDermott. Um, but it didn't look good for either one of those guys. And considering it's a, it's a quick track to next week and both of, both of them went out, um, on a cart, uh, it doesn't exactly scream optimism for their availability for Saturday. Uh, though I will say if you're looking for the bright side of things, 
if there were two positions on the entire roster where the Bills could afford to have that happen, it's cornerback and right tackle because they've basically been cross-training another starter the entire season with Kevin Johnson at corner and Cody Ford at right tackle. So it's not the worst thing in the world, but still not something you want to see in a meaningless game. No, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's a spot where they've basically been rotating guys anyways, um, you know, in both of those spots. It it certainly makes them a bit thinner there, but they've sort of been – you know, trans. I don't want to say transitioning to Kevin Johnson as a full-time starter, but they've certainly been uh, increasing the competition there all season long at outside cornerback. And I don't know that there is a substantial drop-off from Wallace to Kevin Johnson. I would say there's probably a drop-off from from Ty Inseki to Cody Ford, but at this point, the Bills have been playing without Inseki. I'm not mm-hmm. sure why he was active for the game if the re-injury was going to be you know if it was going to be that easy for him to get re-injured it seemed you know probably not the best move but at the same time when you look at you know a lot of people were freaking out about why are these guys in the game and all this you only have so many players you can't you you know you can't rest everybody and uh, you know, some guys simply have to play. That's why Isaiah McKenzie was playing outside cornerback at one point because, you know, <laughs> if not for you know, if not for that, then they have to put Kevin Johnson in, and they can't really have Kevin Johnson in because if he gets hurt, then they're really in trouble next week. So you really can't mm-hmm. bench everybody. I mean, just look at when Inseki got hurt. Cody Ford had to come in, and uh, or when Cody Ford got hurt, um, you know, for a couple plays, Deion Dawkins had to come back in. It was just you're trying to prioritize the most important guys and you know some other guys are going to be in harm's way in a football game where like like you said I wonder if the idea of maybe not going full speed sometimes that can can get you hurt right when you're not like fully into a game um you know and and mm-hmm. certainly the weather probably didn't help but all in all I don't think the injury situation was as big a deal as it seemed in the moment as it started to seem because, you know, Cody Ford went down all of a sudden, if you got into a situation where Inseki and Cody Ford were both injured or if Taron Johnson and Levi Wallace were both injured, then you're in a, a bit more of a precarious situation. But Kevin Johnson can step in uh, and play for Levi Wallace. It's rather poetic going back to Houston where, uh, he was drafted and spent the first four years of his career. And then, you know, Cody Ford's sort of been, you know, training for this all year. Uh, this is why you draft a guy in the second round so that he's ready to be, uh, you know, a key guy for you down the stretch. And, and we'll see what he's made of in Houston. Yeah. Um, the A lot of this matchup uh, is rather poetic. I mean, there's the Kevin Johnson angle. Um, Ed Oliver returning back to Houston for the first time since being drafted. Jerry Hughes being from there and usually having a pretty good showing anytime he plays down in Houston. Uh, the Brian Gain factor in the Bills front office being the te- Texans' former GM and then getting canned um, after only one season and you know I think a little little a bit over a year. Uh, yeah, th- there's there's a lot of different elements to the to that game that that are interesting. But um, the with the offensive tackle position, um, the injuries that almost happened, we were 
quite close if Cody Ford couldn't return to seeing Ryan Bates playing every snap at right tackle against the Texans, which not exactly ideal. And I know there's a Bates hive out there, so I don't want to don't want to take a bat to the Bates hive and and have him try to sting me left and right here, but he, I don't think he's ready for that moment just yet. And on his first snap at left tackle against the Jets, he got turned around and it was a it was a sack of uh, Matt Barkley. It was the play that was initially ruled a fumble and then called an incompletion. Um, that was that was on Ryan Bates. So I don't think you want that guy in the starting lineup uh, by any means. So they uh, averted the disaster there. However, when you um, when you look at this roster, if Ty Inseki is not going to be ready for this game, and it's probably unlikely that he'll be ready for the divisional round game, then they have to think long and hard about putting him on IR and then going out and signing someone with some experience at the position to at least be the backup, uh, the reserve tackle on game days. And I know that uh, the Bills had... Chantrell Henderson in for a visit in late November um, and he's someone that played in some games for Sean McDermott back in 2017 so maybe that is uh, a potential suitor for them and what they could do I'm sure they've probably had other offensive tackles in for visits on the on the stay ready list um, that teams like to compile as they get ready for the playoffs but but yeah I don't think I, and I know they've been doing this because Inseki has been out, but it's a different story when you get into the playoffs. I don't know that you want to go in there with Ryan Bates as your main tackle replacement, uh, especially when going into training camp when, or when you initially acquired him via trade. There was some thoughts that he was a guard slash center, and then he got moved out to the tackle position because they lost Connor McDermott uh, on, on waivers. So it, it's a it's a pretty scary predicament at tackle if either one of those guys get injured. But on the upside, Cody Ford is not injured. So that's uh, just kind of a, okay, if it happens, it happens sort of mode. Yeah, but being one play away from, yeah. from that to either Deion Dawkins or uh, Cody Ford is certainly a, a bit of a, a scary proposition. But all in all, you know, they're they're right where they were essentially when they started the week or, you know, outside of Levi Wallace. You know, I, I think they were kind of, you know, they've been surviving without Ty and Secchi for, for a while now. It would certainly have been a nice luxury to have in the postseason. Like I said, I don't know if playing him yesterday was, was really the move in the rain with an ankle injury. I mean... You know, it is what it is. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, I think you know where they're at now. I, I think you know they're still among the healthiest teams in the league, and they've been very fortunate with injuries all season long. So um, tough to complain uh, too much uh, if you're a Bills fan about what they've you know had uh, on that side you know throughout the season because you know think about how many starters have have missed time it's Mm -hmm. been you know really few and far between uh so uh they've been very fortunate and i think they're still in a spot where uh you would certainly take it um you know at the beginning of the year if you said you know all these these starters would be healthy and um you know very few guys on injured reserve so it's a it's a good situation to be in yeah it is and i i think the reason 
and this isn't to make an excuse for McDermott, but I did a, I did ask him uh, after or after practice on Friday heading into the Jets game because Inseki at that point had gotten a couple practices in. I said, is it a situation where um, if he can play, you want to get him out there for some reps just to get him back in the swing of things ahead of the playoffs? And he said, yeah, yeah, if we can do that, we will do that. So that was that was the thinking behind it. And he at that point, he was in his third series for the Bills. He took over for the, the final two series of the first half at right tackle. And then it was that initial series in the second half where the Bills had the ball that he got injured. And I kind of wonder, because at that point he was at around 15 snaps, I kind of wonder if maybe that would have been it. That that drive in particular would have been it for Inseki. And then they go back to Ford the rest of the way after they get Inseki some work. So some bad timing, perhaps a bad decision, uh, but now the Bills are going to be without their reserve swingman tackle, and, and that's a second one of these guys that that uh, they're now without, um, probably without, I should say, because Adrian Waddle got injured in in, in uh, training camp to where he wasn't going to be available for the Bills this season. So they they need to figure some things out. So maybe it's reaching out to a veteran or or you know trying to figure out a different plan. I don't know if maybe they want to mess around with cross-training Feliciano outside at tackle, which is probably a, a, a bad proposition because you don't want to impact too many parts of your line, but they need to figure out some sort of plan of attack if uh, if one of Dawkins or Ford goes down because yeah, I, d- I don't know that I could stomach um, if it were me and the season is on the line. I don't know. Um, if I could stomach Ryan Bates being out there for a considerable amount of snaps. But at cornerback, I think there's also that's also a spot where I don't I don't necessarily think you have to go out and sign a, a veteran cornerback. I think there's enough there at the moment to where they could get by in that situation and and guys that they've used in the regular season as well. So it's a little bit of a different situation there. Not a, not quite as dire, but still not ideal. Especially when Levi Wallace has you know got a couple of picks two two of the last three games of the season. Um, played a really good game against Baltimore. Uh, he's had his beats this year, but he's also turned in, turned in some pretty solid showings. And uh, he'll he'll be missed, especially because you know there's uh, after Kevin Johnson if they. If he somehow gets injured, then um, then it gets a little bit a little bit more dicey. Not as dicey as right tackle, but but yeah, it, it's it's still it still makes you squirm a little bit if you're a, a fan of the Bills or if you're Sean McDermott or Leslie Frazier. Yeah, I think what these injuries do more than anything is just set them up to be in a more delicate position in game against the Texans because you know now that depth is just you know, peeled back one layer. So one injury at offensive tackle and you're in a really rough spot trying to throw Ryan Bates in there. Another injury at corner, things are going to get pretty dicey. So if everybody stays healthy, the options they have right now to to fill in for the guys who got hurt aren't terrible. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, one more injury and, you know, having to reshuffle things on the offensive line or in the secondary might get a little bit tricky, as we saw yesterday with them just trying to move pieces around uh, at corner to try to figure out how to plug the holes. 
it was you know a, a bit of a game of musical chairs and some guys who don't have a ton of experience playing outside so you know not the best uh situation they're one injury away from from some uh you know iffy mm -hmm. uh, propositions out there but you know that's you know january in the nfl i, I still think uh, they're in pretty good shape overall and um they're they're set up to to go down there and and give houston a run for their money i think they should yeah they should at least and if if they don't, and and it kind of becomes a similar Jacksonville sort of situation where they just can't really get away from themselves, then 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 that will be a talking point in itself. Um, I also wanted to discuss maybe the uh, the idea of Lorenzo Alexander because. It kind of came out of nowhere, and I, I considered making it my come on, Darlene, for the game, but I figured, nah, it's probably in bad taste because you know it is probably his his final home game of his career. But it it was it was a really cool thing to see him and his family, you know, watching his his daughter sing the national anthem in front of everybody. That 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 part was cool, but the whole timeout send off thing. No one really knew what was going on there, but still there was the air of finality. So you, so you figured, okay, this is probably it for Lorenzo Alexander. We all kind of thought thought that way heading into the season anyway. But it it was kind of a weird thing. No one like even someone tweeted at me and was like, yeah, I, you know, I wish I wish they would have made a bigger deal about it just because no one in the stands around me knew what was going on. And I, I think that that it was kind of similar in the press box. It's like I think someone was like, "Why the hell is Sean McDermott calling a timeout?" And then, um, and then it's like, "Well, they're they're sending off Lorenzo Alexander." And it's like, "Oh, but there was no real big deal made out of it." So I don't I don't know it, how did how did that strike you? It stri struck me as a little odd. Yeah, there were a lot of weird factors that played into it. You know, Lorenzo Alexander said coming into this year that this would be his last season, but he was hesitant to talk about it this week. Um, probably, you know, understandably so, because you don't want to talk about it being your last home game when you still have games to play. Right. This, the season isn't over, so addressing something as final as retirement probably, you know, seemed a little bit odd. But, you know, then you've got... It, it was, I don't know, a sort of... <laughs> one foot in one foot out do we want this to be a send-off mm -hmm. or you know is it you know full steam ahead into the playoffs because it is unless the bills and titans pull off a couple of upsets it will be the bills final home game of this season making it lorenzo alexander's final home game but i think adding into the complication of it all was they're not playing a real game they're mm -hmm. not right you know uh doing you know playing a game like they would any other week so a lot of starters had come out of the game I think the pl player two before um, or maybe even before that series and um, or maybe they were coming out after but you know it was just disjointed because not all the starters were coming off at once right and so for Lorenzo Alexander to be coming off, at first you almost just thought, okay. They're making a sub. <laughs> right, they're making a, a substitution. And then you, you saw, you know, Sean McDermott hugging him and guys on the sideline clapping. Didn't have quite the same effect as Kyle Williams coming off late in the fourth quarter. Um, 
in his final home game. Mm-hmm. That one was a little bit easier to make real final and, and, and something that, you know, was, uh, you know, kind of, you know, put a pretty bow on his career. This one was a little bit different because certainly you want to do something for the guy, but at the same time, he's not ready to really talk about that, even though he knows, you know, he said after the game, like, yeah, that's, you know, this is it. But, like, he's not ready to necessarily open up that compartment of his brain because he's got at least one more game to, to prepare for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the hope is, you know, he thinks that they have multiple games to prepare for. So he's not um, he's not ready to call it quits, but there is something that a certain awareness you have to have in the final home game of like, hey, this is the last time you'll play in this stadium. So, you know, give the fans a, a reason to or give the fans a chance to to say a proper goodbye. Yeah. But they didn't <laughs> like they didn't really get to say a proper goodbye because there wasn't that big of an ovation because I think a lot of people were confused. So maybe there was a better way to do it. Maybe there was some some way pregame, but it, it was just there's too many weird variables at play to have the real just goes to show that not all guys get to do it the way Kyle Williams did it. Yeah. And you know, Kyle Williams was pretty fortunate to have have that day and that that week leading up to that final game. Yeah, it was a tough spot for the Bills and I I, I even think that they given all the circumstances, I even thought that they did a nice job with it, you know, having his family out there ahead of ahead of the game and him being with his family, you know, arms around them all, big smile on his face as he's watching his daughter sing the anthem. And then even the way that they handled it, uh, calling a timeout, putting an isolated camera on him, showing, showing everything, showing him on the sidelines, on the Jumbotron after uh, – or on the scoreboard, I should say, after the um, after they subbed him out. So I thought, like, the, from a presentation standpoint, that, that that part of it was was fine. It was just fans didn't really know what was going on, and it. I, I don't even know if it was the Bills' fault that they didn't know what was going on because it's like you said, it's it was a weird sort of set of circumstances to where you can't really put too much focus on it because you don't want Lorenzo to already feel like he's retired because they need him (laughs) in a a big way next week, both on special teams and on defense. But all the same, you know, you you do want to honor him because he's basically been uh, the prototype for what Sean McDermott has been looking for in his locker room. I mean, he, he wasn't signed by McDermott staff. And was signed originally by Rex Ryan, and um, and was supposed to be just a special teams guy. Worked his way into that pass rushing role, had a career year, and then came back with with the Bills um, and, and with the McDermott regime, and you know had just taken over as a, a leader and just a, a go to for so many different players in the locker room, and then just being a, a spokesperson uh, for the team. And how he's handled uh, things, and and how seemingly every single person in the media goes to him and asks him a question about something other than himself. And so that's that's another reason why he's just a spokesperson for the team. And then and then on top of the all the community stuff that he does, it's he's just been he's been basically the poster child for what McDermott has been looking for in that locker room and what he wanted to associate the locker room with. And it's going to be a big void for them. So they wanted to give him some sort of send off. It was just, it just, 
it was just odd because I think the press box was a microcosm of what was going out in the stands. And um, if unless you had a keen eye out in the stands, you didn't really know what was happening until after the fact, after you went on Twitter, like, oh, that's what happened. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I, I was just curious about about your thoughts on that. Um, one other thing I wanted to wanted to uh, if we're to glean anything from that that Bills Jets game what uh, from a from a positive perspective was there any sort of takeaway that the Bills could use heading into the Jets from from your perspective I you know I thought they had some some decent performances from younger players I thought Jaquan Johnson yeah. had a pretty good game um and that's a guy that I think probably would be on the field if he you know if he weren't stuck behind Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he would have found a way to get onto the field at you know a lesser position group, but he's stuck behind two of the best safeties in the league, and he looked pretty good yesterday. Uh, and I think you know that could be – I don't know where he fits in uh, long-term in terms of how you get him on the field or anything like that, but – he can definitely be a, a special teams guy and, and a primary backup at those safety spots. Maybe there's a way to, to get him on the field in multiple DB packages. But yeah. he was the one younger guy that, that really flashed to me. Uh, you know, Duke Williams had 100 yards. Um, he also had some some moments that he certainly wanted back. He was targeted 12 times, caught six passes. Um, you know, a a good game from duke williams i don't think it was a a groundbreaking game by any means um but i think it provided enough fuel to the fire for the people that that want him in the lineup um and it it gave people uh a reason to to clamor for him even more uh in some ways so the um, duthers the duke truthers they're out there they are out there and full force it's also hard to that's one of those situations where you know there are times where where people latch on to a player and um you kind of want to pump the brakes a little bit i'm you know somewhat understanding of, of why people want duke williams because the the bills Same. haven't had a real they have a void there that he could potentially fill i'm, I'm not saying he's going to come in and be uh you know Des Bryant or somebody like that, but they, it's not as if they have so much depth in production at wide receiver that, um, he doesn't deserve to be out there. Uh, you know, it, it's a situation where they should probably be willing to, to try something and probably should have been willing to try something sooner than this game. Um, and he does provide something different as we've talked about before with the physicality, the blocking, uh, he's not perfect. He, he's certainly going to have his drops. He's, uh, not a super quick twitch athlete, but he's um, definitely a guy that's proven he can, you know, when you feed him the ball or when you when you throw it up in the red zone, the guy isn't afraid to, to make a play. He's not afraid to be physical, and he's made plays in big spots. So I'm, I don't know what it means for the wild card game uh, if they would consider playing him, but, uh, you know, I know they, they factor in special teams big time, yeah. and, and he hasn't played a huge role there this season, but... I mean, you saw some of the plays yesterday. You saw the energy that he brings, uh, you know, to the team, um, you know, both on the sideline and the, the guys in the huddle. So, I don't know. Th- those were the two guys, one on offense, one on defense, that kind of stood out. And I think 
Duke Williams. I don't know. I'll be interested to see what, what they do with him this week because um, it's hard to continue to keep a guy on the bench when he puts up 100 yards with your backup quarterback. Yeah, you're right. Um, and I'm glad you brought this up because I I do think there's a legitimate conversation to have. And I think where I ultimately land is I don't think it's impossible. And the Bills might look at it and go, all right, well, we, we have to – we have to make an adjustment somewhere to get him in. I, ju- I just don't know who's the guy you sit. Um, because at wide receiver, obviously, you have Brown and Beasley. Um, Andre Roberts, if he's healthy, is going to be on the active game day roster because they have felt like they are getting close to breaking one in uh, as either a punt return or a kick return. They haven't yet this season. And they feel like they have put in a lot of great work to to get to that level and and that maybe they're just a block away from from uh, breaking one and it could wind up popping in this uh, in this game. So I doubt if he's healthy that that he would be down. Isaiah McKenzie, um, since uh, when when the bills hit their stride as an offense, it was him in the lineup. And I don't think it was a coincidence that, Brian Dable called multiple wide receiver reverses and jet sweeps for Isaiah McKenzie in that game because he wanted to keep that front and center of the Texans mind when they when they went and looked at the film because that is a uh, that is a chess piece that he loves to go to and that he loves to put in just as a little different element to his offense to get the defense moving one way and that could be all the difference into Devin Singletary or Josh Allen breaking something bigger on the opposite side of the field so I don't think he's down Robert Foster is the one that I know a lot of people are like ah for forget it he didn't do anything he didn't he didn't catch a pass but Foster has turned into like a really key component to their um, kick and punt coverage units and they've they've been doing a really nice job recently uh, in in covering the the kicks and punts, and that's that's an area where Duke Williams has struggled. So I don't know that they want to ne- necessarily mess with that. I think the answer is if they want to get him in the lineup or at least active, then you need to find a different position to sit. And I don't know if there's one that's there. I mean, if Shaq Lawson can't go because of the hamstring injury, then there's a spot for Duke Williams, but. I don't. I, I'm. I can't really f- make a case for a different position to sit another guy, so that way Duke Williams can get in there. So maybe maybe they they go. All right. Well, we'll manage on special teams without without Robert Foster. But then there's also this wrinkle. I mean, he's one of the main punt gunners, and the the guy that the two guys that are backing he and Saran Neal up are Kevin Johnson and Taron Johnson. And you don't want to subject those two guys to injury on on a special teams play because they're, they're too important to your defense uh, at, a, at a what is now a much thinner position. So that's why I'm a little skeptical about him getting uh, in the game day lineup. But, you know, it, they could look at it and go, all right, he he got 100 yards. He made a big, uh, big play down the stretch against the Jets to get him in position for a field goal, to get him within a seven-point uh, seven point game. I just, I don't know. I, I, I have my hesitation that the Bills are going to act so rashly because that's kind of been against what they've done in almost every decision they've made since they've come around in 2017. Yeah, I don't think they're going to change their their offensive approach 
that quickly. You know, between right before they're they're getting ready to play the biggest game of the season, unless they see something from a matchup standpoint that they think Duke Williams can take advantage of and the other receivers can't. Look, they've had big games for the month prior to this every week Mm -hmm. and didn't see fit to play Duke Williams. And part of that is the special teams component that you mentioned. And I think you're, you know, if you're Sean McDermott, if you put yourself in Sean McDermott's shoes and think about how he's made decisions, all the talk about attention to detail on 111th and this and that, special teams is a big deal. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, especially in a playoff game where the margin of error can be so thin, I think that's something that they're going to factor in. I, I just don't know that they're going to change based on a game, a meaningless game, when you know, Duke Williams wasn't playing with Josh Allen. They're going to go with the guys that have been playing, you know, with Josh Allen the most that are most Mm -hmm. comfortable with him, and that, um, the offense has been, you know, kind of humming along with, and they certainly don't want to alter too much on special teams and, you know, be sitting there at the end of the game, having given up a big play on special teams, but saying, Hey, well, Duke Williams had three catches for 32 yards. So, you know, that, that huge return we gave up was worth it, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a fine line uh, with, with some of those game day roster decisions. It's not that Duke Williams isn't a worthy receiver. Um, and he's a guy that should factor into their, their plans uh, going forward, but he still has some work to do to round out his game and be a guy that they can count on, you know, making active every week. Yeah. One other uh, guy that I thought was, you know, they got positive contributions from and, and they're going to need him in the playoffs was Trent Murphy. Um, it, this was from from my perspective, one of his better games uh, down the stretch of the season, certainly and and definitely since early on in the year. And if he can get some pass rushing juice back in his game, that would be a tremendous thing for them going into this game against Houston, because, you know, Watson does tend to hang on to the ball a little bit longer than some other quarterbacks. So um, having another suitable pass rusher coming off the edge is is going to be a great thing for the Bills. And especially if Shaq Lawson can't go because of the hamstring injury, then uh, they're going to need Trent Murphy to perform at a pretty high level. So that, that, was a, that was a good thing for the Bills in terms of getting ready for this game. All right, let's get into the awards area of the game and uh, the... I think the the easy answer for the um, well, actually, there there could be a couple of different answers here. So, in the true spirit of the Matt Barkley Award, I think it's the the guy you brought up first that that should get the award, Jaquan Johnson. Because I tell you what, that I, and I know the interception didn't count, but when he reads the play and then does the little toe tap along the sideline to bring in an interception, you're like, oh, that's a player, and that that's a guy who understands um, what the quarterback is trying to do, knows how to position his body to hide himself and to break on the ball to make a play. I mean, he's he seems like he's they, they could be onto something there. And I know he's probably not going to get on the field like you mentioned, but, you know, that's that's a guy I was – of all the young players, he was the one I was most excited to see how he's progressed since the last time we saw him in the preseason. And he didn't disappoint. He was – 
he was outstanding in that in that game for the 50 around 50 snaps that he had he uh he brought it. So, uh, I mean, you could give it to Duke Williams, but we've seen Duke Williams be a pleasant surprise before. Jaquan Johnson based, absolutely came out of nowhere for that game. Yeah, he certainly did. I, I mean, uh, you know, a guy that the the interesting part of these games late in the season when they start to mix these guys in is we don't really get to see practice during the year. So, you know, guys can take big jumps from the end of training camp until the end of the season. And I think uh, Jaquan Johnson was pretty good in the preseason, but but certainly seems to have taken some strides and um, looks like a, a bit of a find for them potentially, um, at least as a guy who can who can play some special teams for you. Mm-hmm. Um, now into the the other awards. First, the uh, we'll say the the Dre Archer Award for the player that did not show up in the game at all i don't know it's can we just say sam darnold <laughs> i mean he was he was brutal in that game and i know it usually goes to a bills player but with the secondary he was going up against it is there any arguments against darnold for that and for a bills player am i forgetting anyone um outstandingly here i, I just feel like darnold just missed a massive opportunity to end a season on a high note yeah perhaps the only uh the Bills players that should get it are the starters because they did not show up. They did not play. True. Other True. than that, um, it's hard to knock the performance of of too many of these Bills reserves going up against a starting right. unit. You're fighting an uphill battle um, in a bad weather game. I think, you know, this certainly wasn't a, a great showing from Darnold. Um, a closing thought on the, the Jets and, and Darnold is that I'm not ready to to write Sam Darnold off um, the same. same way we've we've kind of been, um, you know, try try to find the middle ground on on Josh Allen at times. I think the same is probably fair of Darnold, and <clears throat> a lot of that has to do with the guy coaching him. Mm-hmm. Problem is that guy's going to come back. It sounds like, and um, I, I don't know where this Jets team goes from here. Uh, it's Still, uh, you know, they had some bad injuries this year. They finished the season pretty strong. Uh, if Sam Darnold's, you know, early part of the year isn't derailed by mono, who knows what happens to this team. Right. But all in all, still a, an underperforming group with a head coach that is certainly hard to trust. So um, I don't know that you're feeling too bent out of shape if you're a Bills fan that Adam Gase is sticking around. But uh, I think there's... There's still a little something there with Sam Darnold. It, it just might not be um, quite what people thought it was at, at the beginning of his career. And I think, you know, Josh Allen is probably probably a little bit ahead of him at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it, even though, you know, Josh Allen's been in a better situation and has the better defense and, and all that, uh, he's also gotten the job done uh, quite a bit more often than Sam Darnold has this season. So I'm interested to see not just you know certainly we'll be watching Josh Allen's development closely as it goes from year 2 to year 3 but it's going to be an interesting offseason for that entire quarterback class i mean Lamar Jackson is the league mvp Josh Allen seems to be heading in the right direction uh, has his team at 10 wins heading into the playoffs and then you got Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield the two yeah. highest picks both haven't had great 
coaching situations. Um, Darnold's had some bad luck um, in terms of you know getting sick this year. Baker Mayfield's had a lot of self-inflicted um, you know wounds of his own, and yesterday was mouthing off in the in the stadium and being Baker Mayfield. So a bit of a crossroads for that oh, yeah. that quarterback class. Bit of a bit of a side tangent, but uh I think it was interesting, you know, seeing Sam Darnold out there yesterday and, you know, just wondering what the future holds for him and that that Jets team that, you know, had things gone differently, there were a lot of people that thought the Jets would be where the Bills are and, and vice versa. So um certainly an interesting Interesting few months ahead for them and and for the Browns and Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that that Baker situation seems like it is highly combustible, and uh, they need the right head coach in there. And I know there was a report today that said they wanted to interview Josh McDaniels. I feel like that would be taking a canister of gasoline and throwing in it on an already existing fire between those That'd two be guys. like the most boom or bust hire yes. that you could make and part of me wants to see it yeah um, absolutely i mean they they've had some i mean josh mcdaniels with baker mayfield and the offensive pieces there could be a, a pretty scary offense you know offensive situation could be really good the the question you have to ask is you know, is that guy ready to be a leader? Um, you know, because his first head coaching gig didn't go well. And it seems like there needs to be a pretty strong, you know, leadership presence in that uh, in that locker room, the way things went this year. And I think you, so much of quarterback development, you know, depends on the situation they fall into. And it's funny that, you know, after a couple years, the situation that, that Josh Allen landed in looks like outside of Lamar Jackson's situation, which was great because, you know, the later you get picked, the better your situation. Um, Josh Allen's had a pretty good pretty good one compared to Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield and certainly Josh Rosen, who got uh, the worst deal of the bunch. But oh, yeah. um, I think you have to feel... Whether, however you feel about Josh Allen and whether or not everything pans out, I think you have to feel pretty good about the infrastructure the Bills put in place, the situation they've, um, you know, surrounded him with, and the way they've developed him. Um, who knows how it will pan out? Whether it will be perfect? Whether he'll for sure be the guy? But at the very least, I think they've they've gone about it in a healthier way uh, than a few of the other organizations have. All right, let's uh, give out our uh, last two Come On Darlene Awards for the the uh, regular season. I suppose there will now be a play-in game now that uh, we know there's going to be at least two additional Come On Darlene uh, entrants to the bracket. So um, I don't feel particularly strongly about anything for, for this game, but I think, I think one that kind of just stuck with me was... Sam Darnold not throwing at Isaiah McKenzie. So I'm going to give my come on Darlene to Darnold for not throwing or Adam Gase even for not recognizing that Isaiah McKenzie was on the field and then throwing at him with Robbie Anderson, uh, who has basically an eight inch advantage in height, um, not throwing it at that guy who hasn't played cornerback since high school. 
how do you not recognize that? It, it seems like it, it just seems completely, I don't know, inept is a word that comes to mind. It's just that was that was something. And I know it's not Bills related, but man, I was Jets fans should feel disenchanted by by uh, <laughs> what they saw offensively from um, how Adam Gase called the game and how it was executed that that was uh that was not ideal but that one just kind of put it over for me where it's like okay what the hell is adam gase doing here so that that that'll be mine for the day what's yours yeah that was my initial thought too was uh more so adam gase than sam darnold yeah. i think yeah i although, think that's where i land as well although if you're you're a quarterback and you look over there and see a number 19 on your number one receiver i think you gotta have some sort of awareness or or wherewithal to be like yeah, let's just let's go over there yeah like, i don't you know, i don't make, know cornerbacks uh, with the t- numbers in the teens all the rage these days that's true in college <laughs> that's a, a dangerous guy to throw at but uh, i think more so than the number perhaps the fact that he's five and a half feet tall probably should have been uh, an indication that um you know that that you can go that way if i'm if i'm not going with adam gaze there was a couple of other things. Probably number one is going to be people complaining about the the starters or, or people complaining about the starters being in the game too long. Uh, guys like Levi Wallace and Cody Ford and, and whoever else. Uh, the people who were not able to do basic math. I, I was wondering who these people... I had a, a man tweeting at me saying that the Bills should play a man short if that's what it takes to get some of these guys off the field. Um, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, I understand this is a, f- a first for Bills fans, right? The whole resting the starters piece. Um, a new new territory, but there are only 46 active players on game day. If you rest all of your players, you will not be able to field a team. So, yes, the Bills got pretty unlucky in that the only starters they didn't fully rest got hurt yesterday basically but that's sort of just the way it goes perhaps um you know there's rule changes that could you know go into effect where you could call practice squad players up without penalty maybe you could expand the active game day roster those are all um rules that are out of the bill's hands they had to play some of these guys Mm -hmm. and there were some people very bent up bent out of shape about it and I would encourage those people to take a deep breath and get excited about about the playoffs. It's a 10-win team. It's a pretty healthy team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Life is pretty good if you're a Bills fan. So um, don't worry so much about uh, the fact that those guys were on the field. It was not really a a blunder on the coaching staff's part. You could argue the tie and Seki won either way, you know, but other than that, somebody has to be out there Mm -hmm. playing. Otherwise, guys are really going to get hurt. And the heroes of the week were Quentin Spain, who played 100% of snaps. Meanwhile, the rest of his starting offensive line teammates did not play uh, 100%. Cody Ford, who was kind of forced into it after Inseki went down. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, who got a ton of snaps, even more than he usually gets um let's see who's another one trent murphy who got almost 80 percent of snaps out of necessity due to the shack lawson injury and uh because of they they didn't want to put jerry hughes out on the field 
And then after that, Taron Johnson was the other one that uh, got a lot of time out on the field, and he is a, a regular contributor. So those five guys were the ones that they had to play out of necessity uh, because otherwise you're putting Corey Bajorquez out there at cornerback. And uh, you know, actually, you know what? I don't. I wouldn't mind mind seeing that. I, I would quite like to see how how the mustache does against uh, Robbie Anderson. That would be something. <laughs> that would be something. Throw, uh, throw Reed Ferguson at safety. Let's go. Let me let me see it. It's. I don't know what the solution is for some of these games, but uh, also new to us for the most part is. Yeah. Although we've you know seen other teams rest starters, but um, certainly not uh, not what the Bills were hoping for in terms of. All right, we're gonna leave this guy and this guy out there, and those are the guys that get hurt. But uh-huh. uh, somebody somebody had to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Other unless uh, unless they started taking volunteers from the stands at at halftime, perhaps the man wearing the uh, giant goat mask could have come in and toted the rock for the uh, <laughs> for, for the second half. But um, short of that, I'm not sure what they could have done. No, I agree. All right, so the Bills. Uh, have their second playoff game in three years coming up uh, on Saturday at a 435 star start at NRG Stadium in Houston. And I'm sure a bunch of Bills fans will be making the trip down. Uh, the next time you will hear from us will be later on in the week. And we'll get you primed and ready for for this game as it comes up. And by the way, since we're coming up on the end of the year, um, we over on the Athletic Podcast Network, we have the best of 2019, all of our stories live and unlocked for everyone. It's the 30 best stories of the year, along with some standout podcasts, and it's all for free through the end of the year. So you've got today, because if you listen to it on Monday or Tuesday, and then uh, and then the, those free avenues will uh, will be done, and you have to become a full-fledged subscriber, which we, we encourage either way. So... Uh, So yeah, be sure to go and check all of that out. All right, so for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Piscalia. Thank you for listening to the Buffalo Beat, and we will talk to you when we get closer and closer to the playoffs. See you then.